All right, good afternoon and welcome to our first edition here of Inside Southeastern Baseball with head coach Matt Reiser, uh, presented by Creighton Towns and Homes. We're live at our new home uh, here in 2023 as we're at the Kate Street Seafood Station as we're just a couple of days away uh, from first pitch here uh, in Hammond as Southeastern will open up uh, their 2023 campaign this weekend right here in Hammond. Really excited about that. Uh, this is a program Four regionals in the last eight years, trying to make it five and nine, coming off of a Southland Conference Tournament Championship a year ago and advanced to take on, uh, to, to play in the Auburn Regional uh, last year in the NCAA Tournament. I'm Alan Waddell, glad to be back with you for another year. And at this time, we're going to welcome to the show the head baseball coach of your Southeastern Lions, Coach Matt Reiser. And Coach, thanks for being here. A beautiful day uh, as we get to talk some Lion baseball, and that means we're just a few days away from kicking off the season. Absolutely. 2023 is here, my friend, and everybody knows it's baseball season, like you said, because the cold front's pushing through. So <laughs> That's right. It's just in time for February and the good weather. But, yeah, like you said, man, uh, super excited about another season. Obviously, what we did last year, everything we had to overcome and, and to, to triumph like we did in that tournament, uh, make that regional appearance, uh, and, and obviously ride that momentum of this season, man. Got a lot of guys back from those injuries and, and added a lot of pieces as well. So, uh, obviously, we're super excited about getting ready to rock and roll this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, certainly, we're going to get you ready for this season, uh, talk about some schedule, talk about some, some new faces, some guys yep. that have returned. Uh, but on paper – Looks to be a really good club for your team this year, uh, a team that's going to compete to win a conference championship again and also to get back to the NCAA tournament. Uh, but, Matt, you know, I know we, we documented this at length uh, a year ago uh, of how gratifying last season was for the fact of, uh, you know, how much adversity your team went through. Uh, it just seemed like every week we were having some news of somebody was going down or some injuries, but younger guys stepped up, new guys stepped up into some different roles. You developed a lot of depth. I thought your team really played with a lot of character a year ago, got hot at the end of the season, uh, made that magical run over there for a conference championship, and then got to go to that Auburn Regional. But you just feel like with a lot of those key guys from a year ago back, plus some injury guys coming back. It's almost like signing another class, just your injury guys that, that came yeah. back, and then some newcomers coming in here. Uh, this is an experienced, mature baseball team you have here coming in 2023. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, again, I think that's why there's so much excitement to be able to get some of these new faces in and let them see the culture of what it is, but obviously what those guys were able to go through last year and uh, just the maturity they grew into, right, to, to see – uh, all the things they had to overcome, but uh, and now to be fresh, right, to, to, to get the new start. Somebody in, in this past fall at a football game had said to me, Yo, hey, coach, I heard we're, we're loaded, right? I said, yeah, we're loaded. He said, man, that must be a lot of pressure for you guys to, to go and win. I said, no, you want pressure. I said, go out there, fight 3,000 with 30 people. I said, it's just tough to do. I said, now that we got our guys back, we got the new guys in, man, uh, we couldn't be more excited about it. And like you said, yeah, on paper, uh, it, it's it's a really good club. Uh, but I, I can't say on the air what that paper is used for. But uh, really, it's useless to me, right? Sure. It's now how we go out this weekend and, uh, and start to perform and how we handle the adversity throughout the rest of the season. Southland Conference members uh, picked you number two in the Southland Conference preseason poll. You got the most first-place votes, uh, but what came in right behind McNeese as far as the Southland Conference preseason polls. We know that doesn't really mean anything, right. but certainly uh, in the history of the last few years, uh, those have been the two teams that have been kind of fighting for this thing the last couple of years. And then you add Lamar back to the mix. I think that's something we'll talk about as well. Yep. They moved over to the WAC, but now they're back in the Southland Conference. They're picked third. Uh, you know, UNO, Northwestern, Nichols down the line. Um, UIW, there was some thoughts that they might leave the league. They decided to stay in the league. I know that's been documented through football and basketball as well. Yep. But one of the things I want you to 
tell our listeners, we won't do it right this second. We'll talk about when we get to the schedule. But one thing to stay with us for is people don't realize when teams are moving in and moving out and, you know, the scheduling and how yeah. difficult this year's schedule was yeah. to put together. I know that was tough for you. Yeah, you know, that's probably the worst part of the job. And all honesty, is trying to schedule, especially when you, you got a program like ours that, you know, it's a top 50 program year in, year out. And, uh you know, obviously you want to play the, the big boys and, and get that RPI built up. You we had the seven number seven non commerce schedule last year and what we did and then uh, the same sense you gotta play the home games, right? You got you gotta have folks that are coming in to play you as well because you got season tickets to sell and you got a certain amount of home games you gotta have. So yeah, it's it's always a bear and obviously when you make some conference realignment of that as well, uh, probably one of the toughest years that you'll ever see from a scheduling standpoint, just to be able to get everything uh, all all into place. So uh, and and the main reason why we're playing four games and open a weekend. Uh, you know, be able to, to do the midweeks the way everything kind of transitioned a little bit. Uh, we were able to add, you know, Lafayette to the schedule there in October. Usually scheduling is done years in advance. We're already done with 2024. We've got a few opponents there on 2025, almost done there. And actually got a couple scheduled now for 2026 as well. So it's just to give you an idea, we were, you know, 15, almost 20 games short um, in, in October, uh, which is just really unusual. But, you know, with the conference realignment, that's kind of how things go sometimes. And, yes, you get the conference games. Those are definitely sewn in. But uh, or the conference with less teams, uh, more non-conference games that you got to schedule in there as well. So, and we were we were fortunate enough. We, we were able to get the schedule we wanted for the most part. Uh, get that non-conference where it needs to be to test ourselves before we get into conference play with those first five non-conference weekends, and then hopefully we'll figure out a way to fill that bye weekend. That was obviously the the main concern there that you know we weren't able to get the field because it was so late. But uh, and all in all, man, it'll be a challenging schedule that'll that'll get us right and ready for for a regular season conference championship. Absolutely, seven of the first eight are right here. At home in Hammond, uh, the, the furthest trip is they'll be at Jackson State on February 21st. Other than that, all games right here in the month of February are right here in Hammond. So certainly we look forward to that. A lot to talk about here today. This is one of those shows where we probably could use two or three hours to kind of get you ready for this season. We have a lot to cover, so make sure you stay with us all afternoon. We're going to be doing this every Monday uh, from 12 to 1 o'clock. We'll be right here at Kate Street Seafood Station. We're out here on the patio. It's a great location. It's new for us. We're, we're excited to be here. So make sure you come and join us uh, for a show for a lunchtime uh, on Monday from 12 to 1. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get uh, we'll kind of walk through this roster. We'll talk about some, you know, some guys that we got to replace and yep. maybe some of those guys that are going to fill in some of those roles uh, and take bigger roles here in 2023. Let's take a break. This is Inside Southeastern Baseball with head coach Matt Reiser presented by Creighton Towns at Home live right here at K Street Seafood Station on the Southeastern Sports Radio Network. And downtown Hammond will be doing this every Monday at lunchtime uh, from 12 to 1. Make sure you come out and catch a show. Uh, we're joined by the head baseball coach here at Southeastern Lions, Coach Matt Reiser. Uh, as Southeastern opens up their 2023 campaign this weekend, they're going to welcome in Lafayette. Here's the pack for four game set. That's not Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, that's Lafayette. We'll talk about those guys here uh, later on in our program. But this is our preseason show. Certainly, uh, we touched on some of the challenges of a year ago where this team had to battle so much adversity, was able to fight through that and win a conference championship and get back to the NCAA tournament. A lot of key returners, a lot of guys that are back from this team. But Matt, you do have some some staples of your program that you have to replace. And yeah. you look at some of those names, I mean, you think of Evan Keller, what he did at the shortstop position for you. Uh, obviously, Preston Faulkner, who we all believe was the Southland Conference Player of the Year a year ago, had a tremendous season. One of the best years uh, of any Southeastern Lion ever, uh, but offensively, those are two big holes uh, that you have to fill in for this season. Yeah, you know, obviously we, we return a lot of uh, good players, but, you know, like you said, we've got to re replace some key pieces there in Faulkner and, 
uh, and Keller, and even Welch, you know, yeah, he has some good home runs as well. And you know, just from a leadership standpoint, you know, what Faulkner and Keller and Welch and Ray and all these guys brought to us, man, uh, that toughness we're talking about, the ability to be able to, to stay loyal to the process, and, uh, and then obviously on the pitching side of it as well, you know, you lose Gage Tree and when he yeah. uh, was able to transform into, you know, in year five, you know, really hadn't. Did a little bit there at Eunice, obviously went to Little Rock, transferred back in, and you know, did pitch for us a whole lot, and then did a buy-in what we wanted to try to do with that lower arm slot, you know, kind of a side swinger, uh, side arm swinger that we had there. That's 12, 13 saves I think he had last year, so uh, obviously some pieces to replace, but I think we can replace that from a from an offensive standpoint number-wise, right? I think we can replace that from on the mound, obviously, uh, as well. It's not what they really, you know, did on the field. It is and isn't. It's more what they brought from a leadership standpoint. And that's the main thing we put emphasis on in all honesty and all fall, you know, and then the, the growth that we had through last season and what we went through, uh, don't waste that, right? Use that momentum into this season. Uh, use that maturity and the lessons you learned through last season, obviously, to, to propel early in the season year and make this a, a great year and one for the record folks. Matt, they always talk about being good up the middle. You know, teams that are good up the middle, and it's been a, been a luxury to kind of just pencil yeah. color in there at the shortstop position. You know, what's the plans for that right now? I know you got some some guys battling for that position yeah. as well. As as opening day just a few days away, uh, but but give us some uh, an update at that shortstop position. Obviously, a big one on any baseball team. Yeah, like you said, it's so important to be really good up the middle, especially defensively, and also what you got Bryce with Jack and Connor behind the plate. You replace Tyler Fink, or you still have Tyler Fink, Yossi in center field, and now you got to replace Keller at shortstop. And uh, TJ Sabaggio, you know, a lot of folks saw last year as a true freshman, just, you know, uh, very immature, just body wise, physically, uh, you know, long and lanky and kind of gangly, you know, the basket knocked out his hand. And uh, had to start there open today because obviously what had happened with Keller, and you saw the defense, right? I mean, first uh, ball out the shoot, you know, he makes an unbelievable play up the middle. and. I'll put him with anybody in the country defensively, no question about it. But uh, the work he's put into in the all season uh, and into the fall and, and just what he's growing, he's been another 10, 15 pounds onto that, that lengthy frame. So now there's some strength there. And, uh, he's really coming to his own offensively. If, if anybody's been out the inner squads the last couple of weeks, uh, he actually just torched the baseball this past weekend. Coach Pemberton, our hitting coach, has done a fantastic job. No, hey, man, I know he's one of the best defenders in the country. If we can get an halfway offensive man, he, I mean, he's a draft pick type young man, you know, with the ability that he has. So it's just got to grow up to his own. So, again, one of those guys we talked about, the experience that he got from last year, he got a chance to get in that bat in the regional, right, and play a little bit in all the regional. Uh, the expectation of what he's built now. Hey, man, I am starting short stuff. I know what I get replacing Keller. Uh, and hey, man, it's not about going regional, it's about winning a regional now. Yeah, you know, it has a weight. I mean, you don't see it. You know, a lot of guys, you know, 6 2, 6 3 in the middle of the infield. Uh, so that's certainly, uh, like you mentioned, you know, the frame there. I mean, that's a, that's a big body. Right, no doubt. And then it's what we talk about, you know, if guys want to create more opportunities for themselves, they've got to be good defensively. Uh, you know, there's only one huge spot in the field, so I mean, that's great that people can get. You know, you want offense in there, don't get wrong, but you, you don't want to be in a position where you're trying to knock in more than Olivia. Uh, just that's not a championship type caliber club. So what he's grown into offensive man, I'm extremely excited to see uh, transition into the season and this open weekend as well. All right, what about first base? Uh, you know, Faulkner, obviously yeah. everybody remembers what he's done at the plate and he was outstanding for so long, but he was a really good first baseman as well defensively. He was. Uh, so I guess talk about two-part question there with the Faulkner replacing that. Obviously, who's going to play first base and what's the plan there? And then, you know, who's kind of going to be that thumper in the middle of the lineup uh, to fill some of that production? Yeah, you know, it's, it's tough to replace a guy like that. You hope you have a guy in a program that's ready to progress into uh, what you need him to. Kind of like the year we lost James Fisher. Also, you look up and there's Taylor Swarnership right there in the cupboard, right? Nice. This is the play of the year type of year. 
as well. So uh, we got a couple young men, obviously Champ Ortiz. We're going to take him to slide him from second base to first base. You know, he's really good around the bag and uh, got good hands and, and that kind of stuff. And footwork around the bag. So uh, he's a solid defender over there. Pierce Levin, good. Uh, can play a little bit of first, can play some outfield as well, can play some left field there. So, you know, you want that big physical power bat in the lineup, man. He showed glimpses of that last year, has some big moments for it. Uh, you know, the consistency has been the main thing we've been working on with him. He's shown that throughout the fall practice as well. Uh, and then from an offensive standpoint, Jake Killingsworth is a young man that we went and signed at Juco transfer from Wallace Hilton. He's a 4-2-4 transfer, went to UAB out of high school. They had the coaching change, went to JC, was out on Juco Player of the Year last year. If you've seen uh, Orange, I don't know if he's gotten out very much. Uh, he's done a great job of just getting there and being that power bat, but also a guy that can just hit. I mean, he hits for average, he can hit for power. Uh, doesn't have really the run tool there, right? But you can slide him in over at first base with the E spot as well. Obviously, some other staples are returning. Uh, Shea Thomas back at third base. Uh, you know, he had he really kind of exploded the last month of the season last year. You think back to the conference tournament and what he did, especially right here at, uh, in Hammond, our in our little pod that we played here in Hammond. He was unbelievable. But you know, you told the story many times about this young man. He's from Washington State, so he came all the way across the country. <laughs> to play here in Hammond. We had a hurricane, he had to go yeah. home. You know, There was a lot of, of uh, I guess, culture shock maybe for, for Shea a year ago. And you really saw that uh, him get comfortable as the year went on. And I'm mean, expecting a big year out of him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it was funny because obviously four or five weeks in the season, some, some people are trying to question why Shea at third. And again, defensively, man, he was so good defensively. We knew what he could do offensively. He had torched our pitching. Uh, in the fall, I torture pitching in the early springtime. Got off to kind of a slow start there, but obviously you saw him get more and more comfortable in those reps that he was getting, and all of a sudden you look up and it's it's Faulkner him three four, and boy that was a, a blizzard to go through, right? Uh, just get kind of stormed out. So uh, obviously big power he tapped into there at the end of the season. He's continued that uh, progression through the fall. Uh, had a great summer this summer playing out in the West Coast League and Wood Bat League, and just a He's a baseball rep, man. He loves being around the game. He loves being out there. He loves putting the work and the time and the effort into it. Uh, and he is a big physical bat in the middle of that order. So, you know, he's got the player of the year tech numbers. That's where you say, hey, man, yeah, you want Spaltner, who's, you know, uh, perceived as player of the year, and I'm in agreement with you there. Uh, you know, where do you go from there? Well, it's, it's not just uh, replacing Faulkner with somebody individually. It's the ability for Shea Thomas to, hey, man, had a great year last year. He's around 300, 600, but hey, man, he can even continue to progress. Look at the forward. He's got plenty of your type stuff and numbers you can put up as well. Rosemary returns at, at second base. Uh, you know, for those that didn't follow the program a year ago, he set the national record for hit by pitches. I'm anxious to see what the uh, what the scout report is <laughs> on him this year. You know how teams are yeah. going to approach him and what he does in the box. But he's back at second base. He hit the top of the lineup for most of the season a year ago and set that record. Uh, but uh, just a gritty player uh, going into year three in the program. Yeah, you know, again, when you talk about experience in the field, man, that's that's the one that you want, right? I mean, just like you said, he's gritty. He's old school, throwback type player. He's not the sexiest player out there, man, but he just knows the game. He knows how to get things done. And uh, when you need him most, man, that's when he shows up. That's just the type of competitor that he is. And uh, be able to, to replace Keller right in that leadoff spot. We needed somebody that has great plate discipline, has the ability to have a little bit of power, right? Uh, and just be able to get on base. And that's that's been Rosemary's career since he's been here. He finds a way to get on base. So, uh, got a really nice lineup, two through six, right behind him, right? So, if we can get him on, we can get going a little bit. Good to see Red Rosemary back in there. And he's really, you know, him and him and Champ uh, this summer really did a lot of did a lot of work with Coach Kyle, you know, our, our strength coach. And uh, Kyle was kind of at a disadvantage last year. He got thrown in the job in January, right? So, what was kind of done was done. 
he really got to put his mark this summer and this fall on these guys. And Rhett Williams and Eric Champartee, man, those two did a fantastic job being in that weight room every single day, working on their bodies, working on movements, and it tremendously improved defensively as well. Now talk about the outfield. I know you mentioned Finky's back in center. Uh, obviously, we know about his ability. Uh, maybe the most tools of anybody in the league. I mean, this guy can, you know, he can run with anybody. Has big power. He's shown that as well. But talk about the outfield a little bit. Yeah, you know, Tyler Finky, the mainstay there in center field. I mean, as good as they come defensively, I mean, the range he's got out there is going to be sort of missed one day for sure. But uh, offensively, right? If you can look at numbers, it, it, it's kind of a kind of a crazy story. If you cover up just a batting average number and you look at the rest of the stat line, you're like, holy cow, man, that's that's play. You're taking numbers. You know, he had double digit home runs, 28 stolen bases, 40 RBIs, 41 scores. We always talk about from an offensive production standpoint. If you can get a guy that's a 40-40 guy, in other words, score 40 runs and knock in 40 guys, you're talking about a lot of run production. And not only knocking guys in, but they're scoring as well. And so he had all these numbers last year with a 240-whatever batting average. Uh, maybe Dan needs to score a few more hits there instead of Eric got speed in the infield. We're, we're working on batting average number. Uh, but no, we, uh, you know, the thing is that shows you how much he showed up. I mean, in the fourth moments. And if you think back just a year ago of all the walk-off hits, the tying hits that he had, the big hit he had in the, in the game three, the conference tournament, I felt like that was kind of the, the nail in the coffin there when he took Foster to the opposite field for a base hit there to score a run for second. So, uh, yeah, obviously you're excited about what he's got and healthy, right? The last two years we started off both years uh, with an injury, so Malcolm Wood, uh, you know, he'll stay healthy there. He looks a lot more physical than he's been in the years past. Uh, so really excited about that. Christian Garcia in right field, man. Yeah. Um, you know what he can do from a, from an ability standpoint on the field. Um, you know, like any player comes in, there's some immaturities that you want them to continue to grow through. And what he's grown into from a leadership standpoint, man, uh, has been extremely exciting for us. Uh, you know, again, when you talk about you lose a Keller, or Faulkner, or Welch, you know, Ray, those guys in the field. We need some other guys to step up and take over that role. And, and Garcia's done that for us, man. He's, he embodies what we want, man. He's constantly playing hard. If you come out and watch BP on a practice day or a game day, it doesn't matter. He's the dirtiest guy on the field. He's flying around. Turned himself into a really, really good right fielder. Probably get one of the best arms in the conference, if not the best arm in the conference out there. And then what he's done offensively, man, to refine his approach and, and just really use all fields. He's got power in there. He can hit double-digit home runs, man. He'll go backside on you in a heartbeat and hit some doubles that way as well. So those two guys, obviously the mainstay back. Left field, right? It's a big question mark. Uh, Joe Delaney is year three in, in our program, man. And Joe's been kind of a role player for us. Some pinch running and, and a couple you know, spot starts here and there. He's got the ability, man, with his speed to take over. Very similar to Finke. Uh, you know, continued to refine his approach this fall. Had another really nice fall. Uh, and, you know, the biggest thing that Joe and I talked about, hey, man, you got to carry that to the springtime. You know, it's, it's what can be done for the lady type of deal. If you're in the slump before we start the season, it's going to be hard to kind of get in there and start lining up until you get going a little bit. So, uh, has done a good job of, of going through the break, staying diligent with his work and kind of maintain that through the springtime there. So in left field, you'll see him in the, in the speed option. And in all honesty, you know, Alan, it's a it's a club. We probably got 12 or 13 guys that yeah. can start any lineup. I know we talk about depth every year, but uh, it, it's one of those situations where, you know, you can play some different matchups. First left, first right, wind blowing out, wind blowing in. You need a defensive lineup, you need an offensive lineup. There's enough guys, enough experience in there that you feel pretty comfortable being able to run maybe three or four different lineups and open a weekend. 
All right, let's squeeze in a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to get Matt to talk about behind the dish. We're going to talk about the catcher position, and then we'll start looking at the uh, pitchers. I'll let Matt talk about that. Obviously, some uh, some newcomers in that position, but also some guys that weren't available last year that will be available uh, this season. So let's talk about that when we come back. Right here, Inside Southeastern Baseball with Matt Roger, presented by Creighton Townsend Holmes, uh, right here live at Cape Street Seafood Station on the Southeastern Sports Radio. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're here live at Kate Street Seafood Station. This is Alan Waddell. This is Inside Southeastern Baseball uh, with head coach Matt Roser, presented as always uh, by Creighton Townsend Holmes. As a uh, man, baseball season right around the corner. We'll be opening up this Friday against Lafayette right here in Hammond. Four games set against Lafayette, not Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, we'll talk about the Lafayette here in just a little bit, but kind of walking you through the roster, get Matt to comment on some guys that are uh, we're looking for big years this year and maybe some guys that we're going to see a lot here in 2023. Kind of went around the diamond. Uh, Matt talked about, uh, you know, offensively, also defensively uh, in the lineup. Didn't talk much about the catcher position. Uh, I know yeah. that you like that group. Um, Razafi's back. He was an all-conference player. Uh, Connor Manola, he's been around the program for a long time. But talk about that catching catching group. Yeah, you know, in years past, if you've kind of followed us, if we have the ability to, we, we like a two-catcher system. Right. Uh, just to keep them fresh, man, where they're doing both things. We want to defensively and offensively. In all honesty, finally, Connor Manola, you know, knock on wood, is, is healthy. You know, he's always battled injury here or there. He had the, the season he had to take a medical as well for the arm. So he's had knees, elbows, the whole nine yards. He's finally healthy. He had a fantastic fall. He's really swung the bat well. And in all honesty, this two-catcher system has got a chance to keep him uh, durable back there where his legs are strong, where he can keep the offense going along with the defense as well. And uh, and then also, like you said, you got Bryce, man. I mean, obviously, extremely talented back there. The arm, uh, I'll put his arm against anybody in the yep. country, man. His athleticism back there, I'll put it against anybody in the country. And, uh, yeah, again, a guy would get in there and uh, physically uh, didn't quite come back where he wanted to after the summer. Uh, we had a good sit-down, good conversation, got back to what he was by the end of the fall and really put this time and effort into this Christmas, come back ready to rock and roll for the springtime. So uh, both those guys back there, right, the maturity and the leadership. I mean, talking about Grzaffi, who's been back there now for, for four years, along with Nola, back there for six years. Uh, you just feel really good about what their maturity is to be able to run a staff and obviously be able to talent enough to, to be able to block, throw, do the whole nine yards and bring some offense to the table as well. Matt, let's talk about the pitching staff, and this was the group that was uh, really hurt the most a year ago by the injury uh, bug. So we saw a lot of guys, a lot of young guys get in there and pitch some uh, some key innings for your club. And it's almost like you had two recruiting classes uh, this right. year with baseball, I mean with, uh, with the pitching staff. You, you got to add a bunch of guys back that weren't available a year ago, yep. and then you added some new guys as well. Uh, obviously, the most uh, notable name, Brendan Stupert, he was outstanding two years ago, couldn't pitch a year ago, uh, had an injury issue. I know he's back. Uh, Will Kinsler pitched – Great last year, but, man, what he was doing at the end of the year Just uh, was, was unbelievable. Yep. I mean, you know, his performance where he was literally limping off the field, felt like people had to carry him off uh, <laughs> yeah. when he was dealing with that knee. Uh, but I guess talk about this spot a little bit. You know, you developed some guys, Andrew Landry a year ago. Dalton Asbaum was great yep. at the end of the season. Yep. Uh, you mentioned you had to uh, – you're replacing Gage Trahan or Trahan, however you want to pronounce that. <laughs> I know we kind of yeah. battled that all last year. Yeah. But I guess talk about this group. I know that just from talking to you off the air, you feel like you're in a much deeper, better position 
health-wise, and then just with the quality of arms you have on this pitching staff. Yeah, I mean, obviously the headliner is Brendan Stuprich. You know, we had some hope maybe uh, last year in the middle of the season we would be able to bring him back for conference play, and, you know, it just didn't go that way, and I think that was a little bit of kick in the gut there, uh, you know, for, for both sides. Obviously for Brendan, you know, he wanted everything he could to get back and make us make that run, and uh, in the same sense, obviously for the guys hoping that we were having some reinforcements on the way. So uh, at the end of the day, man, we all sat down, we did it for each other, and, and, and made the right decision there, and he's back. And better than ever, man, uh, the stuff has definitely ticked up. You know, there at the end of the fall, we, we were finishing up kind of his, his rehab protocol to get him to where, you know, we got him extended a little bit, three or four innings as opposed to just the one inning or, you know, sim game stuff. So um, the command was a, it was kind of the last thing to come. And obviously this early spring, man, he's been really, really good. Uh, from a command standpoint. So uh, the velocity's ticked up now to, to 95 and 96 that he'll touch. You know, still sitting in those low 90s, 90 to 93, 94. But uh, the four-pitch repertoire, man, that's what you want on Friday night. And you know the Bulldog mentality in that young man. He loves it. He enjoys the moment, and he can be more excited to be back with this club and have a chance to uh, make an impact now on the field and not just in the dugout. Uh, the other one we, re we return is Jay Long. Yep, uh, nobody absolutely. has any history, knows uh, this young man. It was a left-hander we had signed out of Johnson County. Uh, that we were really excited about was going to be our Saturday starter going into kind of the spring last year, what we kind of penciled in, and towards ACL two weeks out before opening day. So uh, he's done a great job in his rehab protocol, did a great job getting through some things physically and mentally this summer. Uh, any type of injury, Alan, you know how it is. It, it's, it's, it's difficult for these young men to kind of go through. Everything you feel after that injury, you think, oh, God, here we go again type of yeah. deal. But uh, just did a really good job of progressing through that. Had a great fall force. Uh, we, we have touched him up the last two weeks uh, in, in the inter-squad yesterday. And then, and then last week, uh, the, you know, the alumni game did not pitch very well either. So uh, going ahead and getting those out of the way, we still have a, a tremendous amount of confidence in this young man. It's an upper 80s left-hander that can really pitch with a plus-plus changeup and really developed a real breaking ball. Uh, you know, when he came in from Johnson County, it was kind of a distant third pitch. Uh, just did a fantastic job, obviously, in the amount of time that he had to be able to develop that third pitch as well. So those two guys back from injury, you talk about Andrew Landry, what he progressed into. We, we had to figure out what he was, right? We tried to close him early in the season. It was kind of a coin toss of what we were getting in the back end there. Made him into the start at the end of the year. Reminds me a lot of Will Warren in, in the fact that, you know, hey, man, we really need him at the end of the year last year. He was there for us. Uh, and, and really, you know, what Will took that into, obviously, into the next year. Here comes the train we're talking about, right? Uh, obviously into what Andrew Landry was able to do uh, last year and really want him to progress into that, that start and roll for us. So, uh, you know, with the MLB, you know, they've been all around. The scouts have been around. They love him. He's athletic, been up to 97 miles an hour. The biggest thing has been the strikes. He's always had the stuff. Now he's been refining the in what he's doing from a strike zone standpoint. Uh, has done a fantastic job of, you know, getting the, the pitch count down where he can be a starter for us. As you heard Matt kind of allude to, where we're located here at Kate Street, it's a great venue, but we're literally right here by the train tracks. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we'll try to be on the other side of this train right here on Inside Southeastern Baseball with Matt Riser, presented by Creighton Towns and Homes. All right, welcome back. We timed that pretty good. As uh, right while we were at commercial, the train went through. But I again, love being prepared. Absolutely, I love you know, it. Doctor Damon Sunday behind the, the dish over there, man. You don't give enough credit for what he does, man. That was uh, fantastic. Yeah, we had a, we had a game plan. We said that train starts coming through, <laughs> go to commercial. So that's what we did. But uh, you know, kind of caught us off guard of where we were at in our topic. We were talking about this line pitching staff again. Southeastern baseball is going to open up their uh, 2023 season this weekend, right here in Hammond, a four-game set. Uh, at the pad at Alumni Field, so we'll talk about that here in just a moment. But we were walking through this pitching staff. Matt went through some of those starters, some of those key returners from a yep. year ago. 
Uh, Matt, tell us some new guys. I mean, give us some guys that are going to get on the mound. Uh, you know, one thing that this program has always been known for uh, since you've been here is there's been a, you know, a guy who maybe had a limited role in the year past that makes a big jump, that make that big jump. Right. You know, who's that guy this year? Who's some of those candidates that you could see uh, having a monster year uh, that maybe didn't, hasn't pitched a whole lot for us so far? Yeah, I mean, I think we won't see that this year because uh, they pitched a lot for us last year. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. We didn't have a whole lot of options. But uh, to, to, your, to your point here, yes, uh, those guys that will make those big jumps, Andrew Landry, what he's going to be able to make the jump into. Adam Guth, man, has done a fantastic job. Also, we, we had to rely on him as a starter, man. But now he's kind of figured out that him to the fire role. last year. Yeah, he's really figured out that role of that left-handed matchup guy, you know, where he can come in and kind of switch the energy a little bit for us. So good to see that. But some new guys we've we've talked about, or we haven't talked about, I should say, uh, is a JUCO transfer and Aaron Hosack. Uh, you know, he's got a chance to really fulfill that that midweek role. Uh, got some Corey Jaconish to him. Big guy, uh, six five, yeah, big big boy. He knows how to pitch. Man, can move the fastball or wherever he wants to. Uh, Mason Creasy's another one uh, coming out of Murray State who made an appearance in the in the uh, JUCO World Series last year as well. Was there? Their ace on that JUCO club that made that run. So both very, very uh, good big-time strike throwers, you know, very pitchability-type guys. So if we need to run those guys out there, they can mix in there and they can mix out of the bullpen as well because it's guys that just fulfill, you know, fill up the strike zone uh, like you want to see there from that standpoint. Uh, on the back end of this thing, right, you got some returners uh, like Asphalt. You talked about what he grew into last year. And, you know, he had an opportunity with the Orioles uh, during the summertime with the draft. They called him during the draft and, and made him an offer and, uh, for people who don't know, that's kind of how the draft works. To make an offer, if they accept, then they'll go ahead and take the pick. If not, then they'll go ahead and find somebody who will sign. So uh, Dalton went through the process, very mature, uh, was open the communication line and decided to come back. And a big thing he talked about was, hey, coach, I've got 20 in a regional championship. That kind of stuck in my head. It's kind of where I've been, you know, and uh, you know, it's just not enough yet. I'm getting ready to graduate you know, next spring, and I think if we can do all three of those things, then I'll be ready for professional baseball. So uh, obviously he anchors the back end of that bullpen. Lance Love was a guy you saw in multiple roles last year for us. You saw him as a starter uh, early in the year. Uh, we we kind of brought him in relief at the back of the year. Has done a fantastic job of getting his body in shape, man. I, I challenged that young man in our, our exit meeting at the end of the spring and, and was real honest with him. Say, hey, man, you've gained weight. And you're not in very good shape. You know, you wonder why you have some arm issues. And uh, he was here, another one of those young men that was here every day this summer, uh, lost 20 pounds. The velocity ticked up. He's touching 95 now with a plus-plus breaking ball. So he's kind of a breakout candidate I think you could see for sure if you look at numbers from last year as opposed to what he's going to do this year for us. Uh, and then some of the new guys, right? You talk about Connor Spencer, uh, who was the closer at uh, Northwest Mississippi Community College, was an All-American up there as well, uh, could really help anchor the back end. You got a healthy Hayden Robb, had surgery, foot surgery this past summer. Uh, he was battling that thing last year as well. We saw what we got him into, right? I think he get one earned run in like a 10 or 11 appearance, a uh, little outing there out of the bullpen. So, you know, what he can do at the back end as well. Uh, and then Jack Walker is another one that we added, right? He's kind of the X factor I keep telling everybody about. If anybody knows baseball from Louisiana side of it, uh, he was the national pitcher of the year in 2021 coming out of high school, out of Barb High School. Uh, went to Mississippi State. Uh, you know, it didn't you know, really mesh well up there of what they do. It's all about a fit. We talk about the recruiting process. It's all about a fit. Jack fits what we do, how we do some things. Has really made some great strides since he's gotten on campus in, in the fall as well. So he's kind of the X factor, right? You talk about if you get Jack Walker of old, who he's progressing that way, uh, you talk about a dynamic, dynamic staff. And then uh, the local 
product, man, is, is Lake and Polk. Um, he's a two-way guy. We didn't really talk to him about it on the offense, but, man, he's a, he's a left-handed bat. We can use at any point in time, power bat. He's got a few homers this, this early spring. Uh, and then what he does on the mound as well. You know, we, we've looked at him for the, for the starting role uh, to kind of be our midweek starter. We had a, did have a couple injuries. Like every club, you always have a couple injuries. We had two other JC guys that we had signed that were supposed to be back in bullpen pieces that were closers for, uh, for the World Series champion in Pearl River Community College. Uh, and then obviously for another World Series team in Sneed State. But both of those guys will be out for the season. So we've moved Polk to the back end. He's just a – he's a true freshman, but he doesn't act like it. He handles the moment extremely well. He doesn't complicate things. A big-time strike thrower and probably has one of the top, you know, two or three sliders on our club as well. So you like that in the back end, that type of presence. Another big body, too. That's it, another big body. So, you know, that pitching staff obviously, uh, you know, fits in really well. And then the last left-hander that, you know, we'll kind of mention here uh, is, is uh, Jackson Rodriguez. J-Rod comes from LSU Unos, again, a traditional uh, powerhouse junior college where he pitched at a one-something ERA. J-Rod's left-handed breaking balls. Man, he's got two different ones, man, that really match up well for, for left-handers and right-handers. He can get both sides out, but uh, he's extremely rubber, man. I mean, he can go Friday, Saturday, Sunday for you and be ready to rock and roll again the next weekend as well. So it's nice to have some options. Uh, nice to have some lefties. <laughs> it's got some lefties in there, right? we got some right-handers in there. Uh, and so to be able to have those guys and, and that type of stuff, you know, uh, again, it's, it's a staff that's built off, you know, 12 or 14 guys when you start looking at it because um, you look at guys, again, you get fifth-year guy back like Hunter O'Toole, man, what he did yeah. for us last year. Uh, again, in the starting role, in a relief role, uh, really came on his own that, that last game there when we had to have somebody, you know, with Kinsler limping off the mound. O'Toole stepped up for us. And when he's done, just, again, we can do some things on the field, but the maturity off the field, the leadership off the field is what I've been really excited about. So see Hunter O'Toole and Reed Reynolds made his first appearance yesterday as well. Uh, back from his injury. So we got some of these pieces getting back together, getting excited for 2023 for sure. Well, Matt, after saying all that, you just named a lot of names. Um, you know, who are you going to run out there this weekend? I mean, who, who are we going to see, uh, you know, starting these games? And, you know, and I know you like to use a closer. Yep. Yep. You know, who's going to get the first shot at that? Yeah, we, you know, you're four in the rotation since the four-game set. We'll go nine on Friday. We'll do a nine and seven on Saturday, and we'll do another nine on Sunday. So uh, that's the, the setup for Second the weekend. Second game on Saturday is going to be seven? Yeah, and so we've got it all set up to where we're ready to rock and roll and, and, and do that part of it. Um, and, yeah, so the rotation this weekend in some fashion form in no particular order will be Stuprich, Kinsler, Landry, and Jay Long, the left-handed, will match up okay. there as well. So uh, Lafayette College has got a few left-handed bats in there that, that, that are – kind of their better bats, their returners, uh, a few guys that put up some numbers and, you know, uh, made all conference for the Patriot League last year. So uh, we'll definitely like that left-handed matchup with J-Rod and obviously with J-Long going in there as well. Closure position, like I was just asking. So, uh, you know, I know you like yeah. to use one. Yeah, Dalton Asphalt. He's going man. out there yeah, the first yeah, shot. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. I mean, he's the guy, obviously, what he uh, progressed into at the end of the year last year to be able to finish off some things, uh, you know, when, when Gage was – you know, basically exhausted where he could barely feel his legs so we had thrown him so much. Uh, Aston was the guy who stepped up for us to be able to go finish some games. But in reality, man, you've got plenty of pieces in that back end. So if there's something that you you don't like right. or, hey, man, we do use Aston on Friday and Saturday, man, the guys are capable of, of closing those games out. I mean, Connor Spencer can definitely do it. Lance Love can definitely do it. Yeah. Hunter O'Toole can definitely do it. Uh, you know, so you've got some other options there in the back end as well that, if, you know, hey, man, if it's tight Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you're not having to run that guy back out on Sunday to finish off a game. You've got other guys and horses in the pen to be able to finish some stuff off. And uh, if you look at McNeese last year, right, I mean, the guy who was the pitcher of the year and, and false or a closer of the year, whatever you want to call him. Uh, hey, man, if you got him on Friday night, 
He was tough. I mean, he was really tough. If you could make him have to bounce back Saturday yeah. and Sunday, on Sunday you were definitely getting to him possibly on Saturday as well. So you got some some options back there. Uh, again, matchup, you know, we got ground ball guys. We got fly ball guys. You can play the weather a little bit in some of those matchups. You can play left, right, the whole nine yards. So we've talked about it, man. It's a, it's a club. There's only nine positions on the field. There's only so many spots, right, that you can pitch. Not everybody can be the Friday night starter. Not everybody can be the closer. But there's a lot of pieces in this that have got to be put together for us to have a 40-win club and go to regional and try to have a chance to win a regional. And we got to be selfless in this. I mean, at the end of the day, man, we're going to ask you to go do your role and, and do it to the best of your ability. And that's what we've liked so far, right, where it's progressed to. Now we'll see once day one gets here if they stay true to that, right? And I think that's where you saw last year's club and everyone loved last year's club. Through all the adversity, they stayed loyal to the process. You know, a lot of outside noise that they blocked out and continue to, to trust and believe in each other. We'll see if this club can have that same makeup. Yeah, another challenging schedule for Southeastern. Again, Lafayette College will be in here uh, for four games this weekend. Then Sanford, uh, they have the return trip. They'll be here in Hammond February 24th through the 26th. But some great programs coming here. St. John's comes in here. Memphis, yep. uh, Southern Miss, who was in a Super Regional uh, a year ago. LSU comes in here. South Alabama. Lafayette. Uh, Lafayette comes back. Yeah. I mean, so it's another great home schedule. You have another uh, – you have some more challenging second year in a row. You have an SEC uh, road weekend. You did that last year. You went yep. up there to Arkansas. This year you're going to be at Auburn. Kind of funny how that worked out. That was actually <laughs> scheduled before we went to that regional yeah. a year ago, but you'll get to go back to Auburn. Uh, you're going to go to Jacksonville. Uh, and then, obviously, the, the conference schedule as well. And I know one thing you were telling me is of right now, uh, you know, we have a bye weekend, and that's something yeah. that's not ideal – but there was so many different things that the league talked about, whether they were going to play four-game sets, you know, if they were going to leave somebody off the schedule or play somebody twice because different teams were coming in. Like I mentioned earlier, Lamar's back in. UIW thought they might leave. They stayed. Uh, I know there's some challenges when it came into the conference schedule that at, at this point, what, what, I think you have 52 scheduled? Is it 52 50? to yeah, 56, 50, yeah. Yeah, so you have yeah. four open games right now uh, because you had to have a bye weekend. It was it was a holy mess, I'll be honest with you. Uh, yeah, we, we originally were going to go, uh, you know, 17-team conference because UIW is getting out. Lamar had another year before they were going to get in. And so we had agreed upon as coaches, you know, we want as many conference games as possible to, you know, obviously have a champion. We hated the COVID year, the one Friday, two Saturday, one Sunday. I mean, it was just a, a god-awful mess of what we did there. But we decided to go with four games Thursday through Sunday. Obviously, with everything that's gone down now, we've decided to go back to three-game weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the traditional, right? Uh, so we were able to keep Lamar uh, or get Lamar in a year early, keep uh, Incarnate Word. So we still have this bye weekend, but our bye weekend changed. Originally, our bye weekend was uh, Cal State Northridge was supposed to come in. Uh, obviously, that went up in flames with all the conference changing. And so we had no actually midweeks game scheduled for the second half of the year originally. Because we playing Thursday through Because we're going to play Thursday through Sunday. So uh, when all this finally got settled, I guess maybe in September, right? Again, we're talking about we're three and four years out from scheduling some of these games. Uh, it became a situation where I had to figure out, try to hey, move some guys to the midweek on the back end. If you notice, right, everybody has a question of, hey, uh, why no Tulane? Where's that at, you know? Because uh, you got your brains beat in at your place? No, it's not why I promise you that the, the, the stink on me right now that, that we can't play Tulane upsets me. Uh, but the, the part of this is the fact that we had the coaching change over there, and by the time we got to it, there was only two dates open. I already had those filled. I had to try to move one. Once I got it moved, they had already filled it with somebody else. So, you know, again, the schedule is – what it is uh again be able to get 52 to 56 in there hopefully we got some snowbirds that get snowed out open the weekend right they got the cold front pushing down and maybe we can find a few more games but that open weekend right now is open we've got some things we're exploring and uh, hopefully maybe jump in the three-way that open weekend well there you have it again this was a uh 
you know, kind of a challenging year. That's one of the things when we talk about conference realignment and teams moving in and moving out or staying or leaving, uh, you know, it messes with that conference schedule. And they're trying to schedule midweek games all around there. And it certainly got challenging. But uh, the staff did a great job putting together another great schedule here in 2023. Let's take our final break. Uh, when we come back, we'll get you set for this weekend, tell you about some stuff going on around the ballpark, uh, and, and get you ready for first pitch right here on Inside Southeastern Baseball with Matt Reiser presented uh, by Creighton Towns and Holmes here live at Kate Street Seafood Station on the Southeastern Sports Radio Network. Hey, welcome back here. Good evening. I'm good afternoon. Uh, it's lunchtime here at uh, K Street Seafood Station. This is Inside Southeastern Baseball with head coach Matt Ronser, presented as always by Creighton Towns and Holmes. Again, thank you so much for joining us. About 10 minutes left to go here on our show. I'm Alan Waddell getting you ready for this season uh, as the ballpark uh, is ready to go as uh, Lions will get ready to play Lafayette College uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It will be a doubleheader on Saturday, so a four-game weekend against Lafayette uh, this weekend. If you haven't driven by the ballpark, if uh, Friday's going to be your first time getting in there, Matt, I know some exciting things. There's some construction going on. Yeah. Uh, yep. So some good things going on over there at the Pat. Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously COVID puts you behind some things when you talk about projects and that kind of stuff. So finally we're getting a few things off the off the ground there. We got the new ticket booth going down the right field line that uh, hopefully we'll get finished. Uh, you know, if you hold a gun to my head, I'd say by fifth weekend we got Memphis at home. I'd hope that ticket booth is done by then and ready to rock and roll. So, and then obviously you see the clubhouse on the left field line. So the excuse our progress, but, I mean, that's, that's, that's great things to see, right? to continue to grow it we got the the new wraps around the scaffolding appreciate you there that's You're awesome welcome. right you see the espn uh logo on there with gateway forward as well man just really clean that thing up a, a ton that ballpark we got a new paint job on the wall it's amazing what a little coat of paint will do sometimes too there so uh yeah we're ready to rock and roll man the, the ballpark's ready the grass is green uh it's striped up ready for for open day against a, a lafayette club coming down out of the patriot league yeah really excited about getting baseball opened up here in Hammond again for the rest of this month for February uh, you'll only be on the road one time that's at Jackson State on February 21st uh, other than that uh, seven of your first eight are right here at home so we look forward to seeing you at the ballpark Matt a couple of things I want you to get your touch on before we say goodbye uh, I know at the first pitch banquet uh, you had a great turnout yep. you, you you also introduced a new tradition here at Southeastern with the with the number 18 jersey uh, I guess tell our listeners about that. Yeah, you know, uh, obviously everybody's very well aware, or maybe they're not, of what we went through last year with Coach Mamu and what he meant to this program, what he meant to me personally, and, and just the legacy he left with these with these players, man, with these student-athletes. So, uh, you know, we kept trying to kind of brainstorm a little bit. You know, do we retire his number? You know, obviously, Wade is, is the only one that's been retired so far. So if we did that with Mamu, he wouldn't give me the first. He'd be the second there. Uh, and in all honesty, I think Mamu would have, would have struck me with a lightning bolt and told me to, to figure it out because he wants his jersey uh, with one of the kids, right, not on some wall somewhere displayed. So uh, we, we took it upon ourselves to have a team vote between the players and the coaches. Uh, somebody that represents what you what you embody as a lion for life, and uh, Connor Manola will be wearing number 18 this year for us. So he's been in five for five years, and now we'll wear the number 18. Uh, Connor had the good fortune of being coached by Coach Mamu, so I think it I think it worked out perfect for us to be able to start that new tradition. And we've got a, a fungo uh, that will be signed by each player that wears 18. It'll be displayed in the locker room as well. So, uh, you know, hopefully 30 years from now you see all 30 guys that have worn the jersey over the years, uh, and you know, uh, wearing that number 18. So special to us, man, and, and obviously Connor's going to – no pressure. No, Got to go up and perform now. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I know that they, uh, the Hammond America, you know, that's been a very 
popular hit around here that the new jerseys that were uh, unveiled yep. a year ago and one thing that i think that uh, you guys have done a really good job with is they're hard to get i mean you know that's <laughs> like it's very exclusive to have one of those you, yeah. you auction one off at that at that event uh, i know it went for a good amount of money uh, and was actually donated uh, to Mr. Benny Latino. I know that was a uh, very special moment as well uh, for Lion Baseball. Well, it just goes back to, you know, it's it's hard to put into words. Uh, I'm a lot better with numbers than I am with words, but it's hard to show the amount of gratitude and explain what, what Ham in America actually means to me and my family, but also this program as well. And, uh, yeah, uh, we, we do our Lion for Life Award every year. Uh, Mr. Benny Latino. Uh, the godfather himself of Tangipoa Parish was, was named our Lion for Life. Uh, unfortunately, wasn't able to make it to the event. He had gotten sick, but now he's back out healthy, ready to rock and roll. So I'm an inner squad yesterday. So, uh, but we were very fortunate that Mr. John and Ms. Georgie and Poteet purchased the Hammond America jersey for him. So uh, you'll probably see that up there at Benny's Bar, more than likely. Uh, they are exclusive and tough to get your hands on unless you uh, maybe cut me once or twice. You can have the 17 for you. So, uh, But, yeah, we were very fortunate to, to have that event, man. And, again, just trying to explain and pitting the words folks that don't know right I mean we, we kind of talked about this on air last week uh, when I went on a, a different show to talk about some things you know with the upcoming season and they're talking about UNO, right? They have the name New Orleans, right? They kind of branded. Uh, also, we talk about Hammond America, what we brand, and how important the, the town is to the university and, and also to the baseball program as well and the people. And it's, it's hard to explain that to people from Washington and Texas and California and Florida and just if you're not from here. So, you know, our number one thing is getting kids on campus to come see Hammond America, come see the people, come see the, the town and what it has to offer. And uh, they realize how special this place is and they never want to leave. Matt, you're going to do a, a different um, – you're going to have a, a game as well here on April 2nd. So explain uh, explain that as well. Yeah, since Mr. Benny wasn't able to be there, obviously, uh, we, we wanted to show our gratitude to him as well. Uh, we're going to have a Benny Latino Day. So we'll have Benny Latino Day there at the ballpark on April 2nd against Incarnate Word uh, that we're going to you know have T-shirts made up and, and, and celebrate Mr. Benny, man. Mr. Benny can tell you what I'm going to do before I do it. He's at every practice, so he knows when I'm going to hit and run or when we're going to steal a base or run a fake bunt steal or whatever we're going to move, we're going to make out of the bullpen. He knows it before I even know it. So uh, he knows the program inside and out. He's definitely one of our, our Lion Loyals, man, that does everything he can to help support the program. And uh, quickly before we get off there, I'll tell the story of you know, what I told at the banquet, um, I, I go back to, man, the loyalty factor. Uh, that was our number one thing last year. While we, while we had so much success, those kids were loyal to each other. They were loyal to the program. It's easy to run. Uh, it, it's easy to go find something different when things aren't going your way, and they didn't do that. And, you know, I go back to Mr. Benny. Uh, we were in 2017 at, at Houston Baptist where we should have probably gone and swept the weekend. Instead, we're coming home with three losses. We got swept. It was just an awful weekend. Ryan Byers was out for the weekend. He had a concussion. And just one of those weekends, man, you want to forget as quickly as possible. We get back at 1230 from Houston, Texas, and uh, – First person I get off the bus to see, there's Mr. Benny on his golf cart and I tell him he still loves us and we're still his team and we're going to make a great run. And lo and behold, that was the, the, the highest RPI team we'd ever had and one of the deepest runs we've made in a regional, one of the best clubs we've ever had. So, um, yep, the way to show that, man, uh, I can't do it enough, but we'll have a Ben Latino day there on April 2nd at the ballpark against Incarnate Word. Well, Matt. You're just a few days away from opening up year 10 here at Southeastern. Hard to believe that this wow. is year 10 for you. Right. Uh, but, you know, just a couple of minutes left to go here on the show as uh, we get ready for Lafayette this weekend. And then we're off and running, my friend, as uh, we'll be grinding, you know, it seems like every day for the next several months <laughs> uh, trying to get back to the NCAA postseason. Yeah, that's what I told the wife. I said, I think that this is game week, so this is officially the start of our 16, uh, hopefully 18-week run, right? Uh, 18 weeks from now will be when the College World Series is played. So, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be another 
fantastic year. You know, we're super excited about being here. We signed the contract extension in January and, and just how much Hammond means to us and, uh, you know, what, what the people of Hammond mean to us. We, we've made home here with our three boys, with Xander, Jace, and Jameson, man. And, uh, and my wife loves Hammond. I love Hammond. So we're excited about it, man. We get a chance on Friday night. It's going to be a good one on Friday night. Uh, they've got a guy. I just read the report on, on the Patriot League and Lafayette. So uh, they've got a guy on Friday night. It's going to be up to 96. Obviously, we've got Stupert. who's going to be running up to 95, 96. So Friday night should be a, be a treat to come out, watch the ballpark, uh, get out there. I get you can watch it on ESPN+, Plus, but it ain't like you being in the ballpark. View in on your phone on ESPN Plus and be at the ballpark same time. So we get the views on the ESPN That's Plus right. and you're in the ballpark to root us and cheer us on. And I can't tell you, man, that makes a huge impact. It makes a huge impact for those guys. I tell them all the time. It doesn't necessarily intimidate the other team, but it definitely makes our guys play at a different level. So we're super excited about 2023. It'll be a run that uh, I think we, we will all remember for years to come. Kind of reminds me of the 14-15 run that we had. 14 had some struggles, made a run there at the end, made our first region in a long time, first region win in 22 years to 15 was a record-breaking year. So we got that opportunity again this year. But now, time to go do it. I'm ready to get in the fire and get after it and then be back next Monday and talk about a great weekend that we had. All right, Matt, thanks a bunch. We we'll hope to see you at the ballpark this weekend, Lion fans. 6 o'clock first pitch on Friday night, then doubleheader on Saturday. Uh, first game at 2 o'clock. That first game will be a nine-inning. Second game will be a seven-inning. Is that right? So nine and then seven. Yep, nine and seven. And then, and then on Sunday, 1 o'clock first pitch. We hope to see you. Uh, at the ballpark. We want to thank Creighton Townsend Homes for being our title sponsor. Also want to thank K Street Seafood Station. They'll be our host all year here in 2023. For Matt Roser, I'm Alan Waddell. We'll see you next time right here on Inside Southeastern Baseball with Matt Roser presented by Creighton Townsend Homes right here on the Southeastern Sports Radio Network.